to love the music of Christmas or September, whatever month this is. We received an email message from Ted Esler this week that the Lord wonderfully preserved them from what could have been a life-threatening situation in Sarajevo. The only heat they have in their home right now is in a wood-burning stove, and in the middle of the night their dog began barking, and it woke them, and he found that the house was on fire, and that uh, it had just begun, but it had begun at an area near the propane tank that they had, uh, which was so hot he couldn't even put his hand on it. And had he not gotten the fire out when he did, the house probably would have exploded with uh, the loss of their lives. And so we're grateful for that. And as we learned that provision of God for them, he asked us to pray for him tomorrow because he will be going this next week with 50 Sarajevans on a retreat, the purpose of which is primarily evangelistic. And so he asked us tomorrow on Monday to especially remember him and this retreat in prayer. And I'm going to ask you to do that, if you will, please. I had heard that Steve and Mary Linetti were going to be in our services today. I don't know if they are here. Are you here? There you are. I've been looking for you. It's nice to see you this morning, <clears throat> all the way from California, suffering back here in Minnesota. Uh, Steve and Mary were missionaries in Taliabo and uh, were there again this last summer. And uh, right now he's studying at the seminary, at Master's Seminary, and uh, on the staff of Grace Community Church. We welcome you this morning. God bless you. I'm going to ask you to open your Bible with me, please, to the book of Matthew and the first chapter as we begin our Christmas series, Names with Christmas Glory. Matthew chapter 1, I'm going to read verses 22 and 23. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. There was a book written a number of years ago by the title, Are You Running With Me, Jesus? I didn't like the book, it was not a good book, but I was intrigued by the title and it stuck with me all of these years. And I have good news for you this morning. The answer to that question, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, is yes. Jesus is running with you in your race of life. The first name that we look at in this Christmas series is the name Emmanuel, which means, as Matthew notes, God with us. Matthew writes frequently about the Old Testament being fulfilled in the life and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what he says in these verses is not a contradiction between what he has recorded in the earlier verses of the angel's word to Joseph. Joseph was told to call the baby Jesus. Here we see his name will be called Emmanuel. The name Emmanuel was not intended to be a personal name. It is a constitutional name. That is, it describes the makeup, the nature of this one whose name was to be called Jesus. He is God with us. The name Emmanuel reassures God's people that he is with us in all of the seasons of life. 
to appreciate what Emmanuel means, I'd like for us to look at it from four angles this morning. The first significance we want to see is the historical significance of the name Emmanuel. Obviously, Matthew says, the prophet has said, the virgin will be with child. And as most of you know, that is a prophecy of Isaiah. So would you turn back to the Old Testament book of Isaiah, please? And the seventh chapter, where we're introduced to this prophecy. It helps to understand a bit of the historical context of this prophecy that is given in verse 14. In the time of the prophet Isaiah, Syria and Israel were attacking Judah. You say, how is that? How is Israel attacking Judah? Well, you may recall that in 930 B.C. there was a division of the nation. There was a northern kingdom that assumed the name Israel or Samaria or Ephraim. And there was the southern kingdom that assumed the name Judah or Jerusalem. They had a separate line of kings. The southern kingdom was faithful to the line of David. The northern kingdom followed after a rebel whose name was Jeroboam. His descendants, and then others as well, beyond his descendants, ruled over the nation of Israel to the north. All of them were ungodly kings, and the nation was an idolatrous nation. At this particular time, the time of Isaiah, and this time frame is about 200 years after this division. It's about 735, 734 B.C. The northern kingdom, Israel, aligned itself with the nation of Syria, or Aram. Its capital was Damascus, as it still is today. They were concerned, those two nations were concerned about a growing power to the north and to the east by the name of Assyria whose capital later was Nineveh, where Jonah went to preach. They were concerned about this growing power out there, and so they sought to put pressure upon the king of Judah, whose name was Ahaz, to align himself with them against Assyria. But Ahaz did not trust these people. In fact, they attacked Jerusalem to try to put pressure on Ahaz. They could not take the city. And Ahaz did not trust these two, and so he decided that he would send a message to Assyria, to the king whose name was Tiglath-Pileser, and ask him to come to help him against the king of Israel and the king of Syria. Isaiah was dead set against that. He said, it is wrong, Ahaz, for you to go to the king of Assyria to ask for help. Turn to the Lord, not to the king of Assyria. So that's the historical context for what we're going to read. Chapter 7 of Isaiah, beginning in verse 1. When Ahaz, son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, was king of Judah, king reason of Aram, or Syria, and Pekah, son of Remaliah, king of Israel, marched up to fight against Jerusalem, but they could not overpower it. Now the house of David was told, Aram has allied itself with Ephraim. 
So the hearts of Ahaz and his people were shaken, as the trees of the forest are shaken by the wind. Then the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out, you and your son Shear Jashub, to meet Ahaz at the end of the aqueduct of the upper pool on the road to the washerman's field, and say to him, Be careful, keep calm, don't be afraid. Do not lose heart because of these two smoldering stubs of firewood, because of the fierce anger of reason and Aram and of the son of Remaliah. Aram, Ephraim, and Remaliah's son have plotted your ruin, saying, Let us invade Judah. Let us tear it apart and divide it among ourselves and make the son of Tabeel king over it. Yet this is what the sovereign Lord says. That will not take place. It will not happen. For the head of Aram is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is only reason. Within 65 years, Ephraim will too be shattered uh, as a people. The head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is only Remaliah's son. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. I want to tell you something. That sentence that was spoken to Ahaz is as legitimate today as it has ever been. If you and I do not stand firm in our faith, we will not stand at all. And Ahaz was greatly shaken. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. But Ahaz said, I do not ask. I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David. Is it not enough to try the patience of men? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin shall be with child and will give birth to a son and will call his name Emmanuel. <clears throat> he will eat curds and honey when he knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right. But before the boy knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right, the land of the two kings you dread will be laid waste. The Lord will bring on you and your people and all the house of your father a time unlike any since Ephraim broke away from Judah. He will bring the king of Assyria. Well, the prophecy goes on, and I don't have time to read it all, but I do want you to notice the historical significance of this occasion. God offered to Ahaz a sign if he wanted to sign. And Ahaz said rather pompously, Oh, I wouldn't tempt the Lord with a sign. And so the Lord says through Isaiah, I'll give you a sign anyway, that I can be trusted and that you don't need to go to the king of Assyria for help. The virgin will conceive and bear a son, and you will call his name Emmanuel, and that means that I am with you. God is with you, Ahaz. Now it's interesting that when Isaiah wrote this prophecy, he used a Hebrew word here that can mean, and does mean, a young maiden. It doesn't have to mean a virgin. The reason for that is that there was probably an immediate fulfillment in that day. Indeed, as you go on into chapter 8, it seems that the son that God promised as a sign to Ahaz was a son that was shortly after this born to Isaiah and a prophetess who was at this moment still a virgin. He was not married to her yet. And that son who was born became the sign 
to Ahaz that God was with him. And God said before that boy knows enough to reject right and to choose to reject wrong and choose the right, before he's one or two years of age, both of these kings that you're dreading today will be out of here. And indeed, within two years after this prophecy was given, both of those kings were dead because Assyria came down and attacked. You see, God has a way of proving himself, and he did in that age. <clears throat> the historical significance is that that prophecy had a fulfillment in that day, in Isaiah's day, but God, God had something greater in mind in that prophecy. And we see that it has direct reference to one who would be born hundreds of years later to a virgin. And when Matthew writes about this, he uses a word that does not mean a young woman. It means a young woman who has never known a man. There is no mistaking it in the New Testament that he is saying that it is a prophecy of a virgin birth and that that was fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, having briefly looked at the historical background and significance of the name Emmanuel, that it meant in the days of Ahaz that God was with his people and he would deliver them, let's secondly consider the salvational aspect and significance of this name Emmanuel. That returns us to Matthew chapter 1. In the verses just preceding the prophecy that Matthew points toward, the angel says to Joseph regarding Mary that he is to not be afraid to take Mary as his wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. The historical significance of the name was that God would be with his people to save them from the threat of their enemies. But the New Testament significance of this name as applied to Jesus is found in this, that he is with us to save us from our sins. God was with his people in that day, in their spiritual yearnings. They longed for deliverance and for God's intervention. And he came, he came to be with them in a most unique sense. It had never been done before, nor is it repeatable how he came. God himself came to be with them and with us through the birth of a, of, through a, the virgin birth. And in doing so, he identified with us in our humanity while he was protected from our sin. Adam's sin is counted through the male seed. And because Jesus was born without the participation of Joseph, therefore he was not legally a sinner through Adam. And God so protected Jesus in the womb of Mary that he did not inherit from her her own sin, so that he was holy from his conception, fully human, fully God, and holy 
and thus able to be the one who would save his people from their sins. Jesus Christ was Emmanuel in the fullest sense of that meaning. The Nelson Bible Dictionary says, Matthew rightly recognized the, that hope for restoration through the house of David reached its ultimate fulfillment only with Jesus. With the coming of Jesus, God is with us in the most profound sense. Not only is God with us in the birth of the Lord Jesus, but in the continuing ministry of the Lord Jesus to us and his presence in our lives throughout this age, he is with us. He is with us to save us from our sins. And that is why he came, just as the angel announced. Philip Yancey, one of my favorite authors, writes these words. This is the key to understanding Christmas. I believe that we live in parallel worlds. One consists of lakes and barns and politicians and shepherds watching their flocks by night. The other of angels and sinister forces and places called heaven and hell. One night in the cold and dark, those two worlds came together. God, who knows no before or after, entered into time and space. Could it be true, this story of a creator descending to be born on one small planet? If so, it is a story like no other. Never again need we wonder whether what happens on this dirty little tennis ball matters to the rest of the universe. Little wonder a choir of angels broke out in spontaneous song, disturbing not only a few shepherds, but the entire universe. Because when Jesus was born, he was born as God with us. And he was with us to save us from our sins. Well, that brings me to a third significance as we consider this name Emmanuel. And that is the eternal significance of the name. Because the name has a meaning that stretches into eternity yet to come with the new heaven and the new earth. I'd like you to turn in your Bible to Revelation chapter 21. All the way to the end of the New Testament, to the book of the Revelation. Chapter 21. In this chapter, John has a great vision of the new heaven and the new earth. And he sees the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven. And in verse 3, he says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. Now, although the name Emmanuel is not used here, the meaning of the name is very clearly spoken here. God himself will be with them and will be their God, and they shall be his people. And what is John talking about? He is talking about the eternal presence of God with his people. 
in the new heaven and the new earth and in the new Jerusalem in particular, that God will dwell with us there in the most profound sense, the eternal significance of the name Emmanuel. Matthew Henry comments with these words, it is a matter of wonder that a holy God should ever dwell with any of the children of men. The presence of God with his people in heaven will not be interrupted as it is on earth, but he will dwell with them continually. <clears throat> it is for this reason and because of something that is said in the eighth chapter of Isaiah that we didn't have time to look at, that heaven is sometimes referred to as Emmanuel's land. Because it is the place where God will be with us in the most profound and eternal sense. Ann Ross' cousin was a pastor's wife 150 years ago, and as she sat sewing one evening, the sermon of a great Scottish preacher by the name of Samuel Rutherford was going through her mind. And she took several phrases from that sermon of Rutherford and created a hymn that we sometimes still sing today. This is the hymn that was sung at the bedside of Charles Spurgeon before he died in 1892. The sands of time are sinking. The dawn of heaven breaks. The summer morn I've sighed for. The fair, sweet morn awakes. Dark, dark hath been the midnight, but day spring is at hand, and glory, glory dwelleth in Emmanuel's land. The bride eyes not her garment, but her dear bridegroom's face. I will not gaze at glory, but on my king of grace. Not at the crown he giveth, but on his pierced hand. The lamb is all the glory of Emmanuel's land. You see, that place that you and I will spend eternity is called the place where God will be with us. And thus rightly, Emmanuel's land. But there is a fourth significance that I want us to see before we stop this morning, and this has to do with us personally, the personal significance of the name Emmanuel. This name has rich meaning for you and for me. Matthew begins his gospel by saying that Jesus is the one who is God with us. Do you remember how he ends his gospel? He has the Lord Jesus Christ making this statement, and lo, I am what? With you, always, to the end of the age. You see, this gospel of Matthew is about Emmanuel, God with us. Not only was he with us in his birth to save us, but he is with us always to the end of the age. And what does this mean? That he is with us. It is not merely that he is present, as though we were to take record of attendance and mark him present, but it means that he is present and active and working in our lives. You see, that was the special word for Joseph in Matthew chapter 1. Joseph was afraid. Mary was with child. He could not understand how this could be how this one that he loved, to whom he was betrothed, 
would be unfaithful to him and be with child. His only thought was that he had to put her away privately. He didn't want to embarrass her publicly. He didn't want to bring shame to her. But he was afraid. And so the angel came to Joseph, and what did he say? Do not be afraid. And what had Isaiah said to King Ahaz? Do not be afraid. You see, the name Emmanuel is a name that should say to you and me, you don't have to be afraid. As you pass through the trials of life, God is with you. When you pass through persecutions and the mockings of people who do not appreciate your faith and your integrity, don't be afraid. God is with you. As you pass through the deep valleys of life and the loss of someone or something that is dear and precious to you, you don't have to be afraid. God is with you. When you are confused and there are question marks in your mind and you say, what am I to do? Or where is God in this? The answer is Emmanuel. God is with you right then. Do not be afraid. A little girl once said to her mother, Mommy, I like you better than I like God. The mother was a little nonplussed by the statement. She said, Oh, honey, you mustn't say something like that. The little girl said, but yes, Mommy, I, I really do. I like you better than God. And her mother, rather shocked by this time, said, well, honey, what makes you say something like that? She answered very simply, because I can hug you. But do you see that in this name, Emmanuel, God becomes huggable? He's not merely the mighty, sovereign creator of the universe who's out there and who knows us and knows all things and controls all things. He is the one who came and is with us. And in Jesus, we may embrace him and know him and trust him. Let me ask you a question. If you were thoroughly convinced that Jesus Christ was standing with you, what would make you afraid? <clears throat> would you be afraid to witness to a relative who might turn around and mock you because of your faith? If Jesus were standing there with you, would you be afraid of some physical danger if Jesus was standing there with you at the moment? Would you be willing to go to a foreign culture as a missionary? If Jesus was with you? Would you be afraid to die if Jesus was right there with you? say, well, no, if Jesus was right there, I wouldn't be afraid of any of those things. But you see, that's what the name Emmanuel tells us. He's here. He is with us. And therefore, we don't have to be afraid. And we can trust him to be at work in our lives and expect him to be at work and look for him to be at work. And therefore, we must allow him to be at work by submitting to his lordship moment by moment. Wonderful significance in the name Emmanuel. 
a name that is filled with Christmas glory that encourages us in every season of life. The historical significance of the name God with us is that he keeps his promises. He kept his promises to Ahaz, although Ahaz did not trust him. The salvational significance of the name is that he will save us from our sins. We don't have to be afraid of the past. We don't have to be afraid of the future because the eternal significance of the name is that he keeps us secure forever and will dwell with us. And we will be his people. And he our God for all of eternity to come. The personal significance of the name is that we don't have to be afraid of the present. Whether it be in our service or in our suffering, whatever it be, he's with us. J.B. Phillips tells the story of an angel describing the splendors of the universe to a newcomer, a new angel. This is in his imagination now. Past the whirling galaxies and the blazing suns, these two crossed the infinite distances of space to a galaxy of 500 billion stars. The senior angel pointed to a small sphere that was turning slowly on its axis. It looked like the dirty little snowball to the little angel, whose mind was filled with the size and glory of all that he had seen. But the angel said, watch that one particularly. It looks very small to me, said the little angel. What's so special about it? He listened in stunned belief as the senior angel told him that this planet, small and insignificant and not overly clean, was the renowned visited planet. Do you mean, said the little angel, that our glorious prince stooped so low as to become one of those creeping, crawling creatures on that floating ball? I do, said the senior angel and I don't think he would like you to call them creeping, crawling creatures. For strange as it seems to us, he loves them. He went down to visit them, to lift them up to become like him. The little angel looked blank, for such a thought was beyond his comprehension. Well, my friend, that's what the name Emmanuel means means that this has become the visited planet. God is with us. It means because of that, you and I don't have to be afraid in this world because he is Emmanuel. He is Emmanuel. Let's pray. There are some of us afraid this morning, issues in our lives, have so grown and mushroomed that we fear we're going to be caught up, carried away. Others may be afraid of people, afraid of the future, what it holds. Will you this morning reach out and take a hold of this name, Emmanuel, and draw it to your breast, hang on to it, and realize what it means to you. 
And if you would like to have someone to pray with personally after the service, some of our staff and elders will be over here by the Christmas tree on my right. After the service, they're available to pray with you, and I invite you to come and to take them by the hand and say, I need someone to pray with me. This is not a counseling time, but it is a prayer time. And as others are walking out, you can go get some personal help and find a friend to pray with. Lord Jesus, thank you for being Emmanuel to us. Thank you for the great prophecy spoken by Isaiah hundreds of years before your birth. Thank you for your coming in such a miraculous way and for the purpose of saving us from our sins. Thank you that for all of eternity to come, you will be with us and dwell with us. And that even right now, you are with us, speaking the words as were spoken to Joseph, do not be afraid. And so may we go from this place this morning with that sense of confidence and joy in our hearts that you are with us. This we pray in your blessed and lovely name. Amen. I'm going to extend the right hand of fellowship this morning to a number of people. And if I read your name and you're in this service, I invite you to come over to this side of the auditorium and to stand there so we can come by and take your hand and shake it and welcome you into our church family. Bonnie Arnenberg, Steve Brown, Mary Beth Daly, and come as I call your name. Um, Sherry and Stu Erdenberg, Melanie and Rick Helm, David Isaac, Rick and Tammy Kelly, John and Tracy Colbrecht, Adele Kunde, Don Rubiolo, uh, Gail and Mike Teagarden, Joel and Sue Varberg, Mike and Therese Vogt. Come and shake them by the hand, won't you, and greet them and welcome them into our church family. Let's stand together now as we are dismissed in prayer and once again, if you would like to pray with someone, we'll have some folks standing right over here who will be able to pray with you. And now, Lord, dismiss us, I pray, with the blessing and the joy of Emmanuel in our hearts. For Christ's sake, amen.